Welcome to Emmaus Church Community. My name is Nathan. I'm happy to see you here. I don't know if you go through this arc on Sunday mornings like I do. Uh, I wake up in the morning early on Sundays and I think, oh no, I don't want to do this today. I almost always feel this like resistance that is uncommon and it's a challenge to me. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a personal burden or something. I, I don't get it, but maybe you relate to that. I just don't feel like getting out of bed. Um, and, and then uh, through the morning, as I begin to say prayers that I pray on Sunday mornings, the, something begins to shift and something begins to change. And then as I drive towards the theater here, and I, I have specific things that I pray for along the way, stuff starts to, anticipation begins to grow. And what's happening is the, the, the selfish-centered Nathan is, is getting kind of untied, and, um, and I'm starting to anticipate the, the, the blessing of gathering with other people in the presence of God. That's what's happening. Um, it's the goodness of God who is waking me up to my need for Him and the joy of being able to come together. And then it really culminates in this opening call to worship when I get to hear all of you singing these prayers of invitation, right? We're inviting the presence of God to meet with us. And this is something that we've been doing as a people for thousands of years. And there's deep-rooted history in this practice of inviting the presence of God to meet with a community of people asking for the grace to have our hearts and minds open to what he wants to say and the way he wants to lead us forward. We are in great company today all over the world and throughout history. People have been gathering for, uh, in gatherings just like this, right, to hear the word of the Lord proclaimed over the people. So may he speak to you with clarity this morning. Uh, raise your hand if you like a Bible. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the very first book of the, the second half of the Bible called the New Testament. I'd uh, love to have a copy in your hand if that would help Matthew. And then also, if you're on this aisle over here, Phil and, and Benjamin, if you guys could grab baskets and just pass them down, they, sh they should be right under your seats. And if you like a communication card, uh, everybody's going to want a communication card today. So that's the final thing. If you're one of those that has a stack of communication cards and you're handing them out, could, could everyone, this will connect with the message, if everyone could just make sure you get a card, um, Communication card, we'll, we'll handle that in a minute. <clears throat> All right, good. Keep your hands up, ask for what you need. <clears throat> well, friends, it was about a year ago, I sat down uh, with Melissa Lester uh, over coffee. We were just talking about her life. We were talking about the way she was growing, the things she was reading, uh, what she was learning. And uh, as that conversation progressed, and then we met again a couple months later, I said, man, this You've got something to say here. Uh, this is something that is really, it started with what God wants to do in you. It's developed. You've had some interesting perceptions and, and you've wrestled with this in a way that is, that is giving it like weight and significance. And, uh, and I invited her to share what she's got uh, in her heart with the, with the community today. And this is so important. You know, if you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, that we really value a variety of speakers in this community. It's healthy to hear different perspectives. And, and this is a situation where Melissa's perspective is, in some ways, very similar to mine, and yet, in some ways, totally different. She comes as a mother. She comes as a wife. She comes as a woman. She comes as somebody who's served in different parts of the country and different parts of the world. Um, her, what, what she's going to bring out of the text this morning is something that is deeply rooted in her own experience, and frankly, it's a perspective that we need to hear. So I want to... Uh, Thank you for preparing so well to preach to our community and invite you to welcome with me, uh, Melissa Lester. Thank you. That was a very kind introduction. Thank you. Good. 
Um, a couple weeks ago, I really appreciate the opportunity, by the way. I don't take it for granted. And um, so thank you for listening and thank you for welcoming me so warmly, um, even though I'm here at home. <laughs> so uh, this week earlier, my oldest son, Jude, he's, I mean, my youngest son, Jude, he's five. A lot of you know him. You like it when I tell stories about him, so you're like you're looking out this morning. So he comes up to me after school and he wants something to eat. And so I'm making him his lunch, and he just kind of has this moment. I can see it in his face. He's just feeling my love for him. He's feeling taken care of. And he just says to me, Mommy, I love you so much. When I get big, I want to marry you. And then sort of like this stream of consciousness continues, and he's like, but you're probably too old. <laughs> Are you 38 or 83? He's just like learn how to count to 100, so he's getting those mixed up. And so I <laughs> go to him like, I just don't really even know where to begin with all that. But I said, well, I love you too, but like people, you can't marry your mom. Like people don't do that. You don't marry your mom. So he was shocked by this. Um, and also, I'm 38. We clarified that, not 83. And, uh, and he was like, why can't I marry you? And I was like, where to begin? Um, and I said, well, for starters, I'm married to daddy. <laughs> so anyway, the whole point of me telling you the story this morning is it's awesome to be loved, isn't it? We're not, I'm not marrying Jude. I'm, despite the mix-up with my age, he was feeling my love, and I was feeling his love, and it's so awesome to be loved, isn't it? So this morning, we're going to talk about that. We are starting a three-week series entitled Overflow, and um, before we kind of dive into this whole we're loved piece, I want to just give us a little intro to this whole series. So how do we experience a life where our souls are full of the life of God? as opposed to running on empty. You guys all know what that feels like, right? We're zapped, we're burnt out, we're fried, we're spent, we restore on the run, we're overwhelmed. And most of us have experienced that feeling like we're living depleted with an emotional and a spiritual deficit. And we know what it's like to have an exhausted soul. And if you don't, yet know that you probably will soon. You just might not be old enough yet. So St. Bernard of Clairvaux said this, and I love this. He was talking to church leaders. He said, those who are wise, therefore, will see their life more like a reservoir than a canal. The canal simultaneously pours forth what it receives while the reservoir retains till it is filled, then pours forth the overflow without loss to itself. Today, there are many in the church who act like canals. The reservoirs are far too rare. And this captivated me so much, partly because it was written in the 13th century. And it feels like he's addressing modern problems, right? And I love that, as it turns out, a thirsty soul, a dry and parched soul is nothing new to our experience. You know, I thought, hey, let's tag on a sentence about, you know, taking a break from social media or cutting out the internet for a while. And it's just as true as it's ever been, although maybe our challenges are a little unique. And even more, now than ever, we need to engage our hearts so that we can draw from this place where we're living out of the overflow. But how do we do it? What are like 
I want to go over what are some of these key principles to living out of the overflow. What are some of these elements that need to be in place to have this fullness of life, to have this soul that's saturated and overflowing with the life of God? Because we are invited to thrive from a place of fullness, not scarcity in our spiritual lives. That's God's heart for us. So we're going to take a look at some key interactions that Jesus had. We're going to look at some important elements. And the first one we're going to look at, put very simply today, is we need to know we're loved by God. That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bible, you can turn it already to Matthew 3. Some of you are there, 16 in the Bibles that look like this. If you got one, it's page 676. And I just want to pray again for us as we go into God's word. Lord, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for your presence this morning. That was just so evident as we worshiped, Lord. Be in our midst, Lord, as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it says this in Matthew 3.16. We're going to really look deeply at Jesus' baptism today. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There's a few important just observations about Jesus' baptism. Part of why it's so important is because it's one of these like little sections of Scripture where the entire Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity is represented. And it's like, if you look into this in like sort of the theological um, space, there's like volumes and volumes and volumes on this little verse. We're not going to go there today. Don't have the time. But it's, it's important to note that the whole Trinity was there. Because Jesus, of course, he was already filled with the Spirit, right? It was in humility that he was baptized. But not only was the whole Trinity there, but it was this massive display of love between the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the things I love to note about Jesus' baptism as well is that this is kind of the first account of Jesus being like out in public in, since the age of 12. And we know that he's about 30 here. So decades have gone by. And this is sort of Jesus's like, he's, his, his life is unfolding, his ministry life is unfolding. So, and this is what, this is the debut. The debut is before he preached one sermon, before he fed the 5,000, before he did any miracles, he was loved by God. He was, God was pleased with him. Had nothing to do with the gifts that he gives but it was simply about his position as a son of God. He was loved by God. This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. And think about that for your own life. What are you most proud of? God loved you before that. What are you ashamed of? What's even hard to talk about? What, what is it that you want to hide? He loved you before that too. This expression of identity 
you're my son, and pleasure, I'm pleased with you, and love, I love you, from the Father, given to Christ, happened before a single miracle was performed. And this grasping of the love of God for us is so key in living a life from the overflow of God's Spirit. It is foundational in every sense, and it has nothing to do with what we have and haven't done. Your greatest accomplishment does not increase God's love. Your greatest failure does not decrease God's love. Um, when I was young, I, I was 17, I graduated high school, and I went and I joined this youth organization called Teen Mania, and, um, and very quickly kind of just ended up in this place where I was leading worship at these massive youth conventions. There would be like thousands and thousands of people at these massive, massive conventions. So at a very young age, I all of a sudden had like all this responsibility and I was in front of a lot of people and, you know, I would kind of like go places and people would know who I, I was and they would ask me for my autograph. It was like super weird, right? And it was kind of this, this environment that I was in. There were so many great things happening, but it sort of fed in me like this need to perform and prove my love for God, this need to sort of like, I almost earn God's love and feel like, hey, I did a good job, so God's going to love me. Like, look at all these people that were worshiping God. This is, so God's going to love me, right? It just kind of like creeped in there a little bit, even though mentally I would have never said that. But there was a lot of pressure at a very young age to sort of like show up and make it happen, right? So with that, it kind of came, and it was exhausting, it was utterly exhausting. After about four years of that, living on the road, every time I was sleeping, I was in something that was moving, like a plane, a bus, a van. I remember I moved back home to this area, and for like months and maybe years after, I would see like a white 15-passenger van and like have a physical reaction to it because it was such an exhausting experience. But my point here is that that is not God's intention for us to be used like that, right? It's his intention that we be loved. That's the foundation. That's the start. That's where we start from. And knowing that we are loved by God and knowing it deeply is essential to a life overflowing. It was a big lesson for me to learn, and I could tell you lots more stories, and maybe we'll get into that in the coming weeks. But it was a big lesson for me to learn at that time that it's not about what I do, it's about who I am in Christ, and that's why I'm loved by God. So how do we know this? I mean, Jesus, sure, he was loved by God. He was perfect, right? How do we know that we also have that kind of unconditional love from the Father? In the depths of our souls, how do we know that? We're going to keep looking at Jesus' baptism, and this time in John, it's another account. It's on, um, in your Bibles, it's page 739 if you want to turn back to that. But John is sort of reflecting back on Jesus's baptism. And to do that, he says this, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize him with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one. 
so now not not only do we have this display of love in the Trinity that we are going to be invited into, but this idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why does John say this? Why is it so important? Kind of at this Jesus's debut moment to be like, oh, also the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So he, John is kind of, he had this prophetic vision ahead of time and an understanding that Christ was going to be revealed by the Holy Spirit as a dove, right? Not confusing or complicated at all. And that Christ would also baptize us in the Holy Spirit. So hold up just a minute. As if Jesus' rescue wasn't enough, as if the salvation Jesus would be, we had something else to look forward to too. And that was that God was going to immerse us and saturate us with his own spirit. Jesus' baptism was kind of this crack in heaven opening up to the world and this introduction of being baptized in the spirit. So when you hear that phrase, baptized in the spirit or being spirit-filled, what comes to mind? It's kind of like this funny thing to talk about because I think a lot of denominations have like split over the different emphasis of the Holy Spirit, right? You might have even had this like, oh, she's talking about the Holy Spirit. Oh, she doesn't make me do anything weird. Like, you know, or like, what are we going to talk about here? Because we've, we've sort of like this group split off from that because of this emphasis and then this other group they split off too later, and if you've studied church history at all, you know it just like kind of keeps going, and it's just been this little point of like, we don't want to seem weird, but it is very mysterious. Like, how do we handle it? And a lot of times, you know, you have this group, and they want to emphasize the gifts of the Spirit, and preaching, and teaching, and tongues, and the interpretation of tongues, and you have this group, and it's about, all about the fruit of the Spirit, and this group, and they want to talk about, you know, how the Holy Spirit gives us power to live a holy life. Don't forget to, about the power to be a witness, too. So there's like all these different facets of the Spirit. So it's super clear. Guys, I'm here to clear things up for you today. <laughs> and even Scripture has some amazing metaphors for us. He's like fire. He's like water, but like lots of different forms of water. He's a gentle rain. He's like soaking rain stream, a river, a well. The Holy Spirit is breath and wind. He's like oil flowing down. See, it's getting clearer, right? Breath, wind, fire, oil flowing down. He's a dove in this instance, right? He comes without leaving and goes while staying somehow, right? And he isn't technically a he, though we refer to him as a he, because he is one with the Father and the Son, and we have those masculine like pronouns for that, so we kind of just assign that. He's not a he, but he's not a she, and he's definitely not an it, right? So it's like this language, we almost don't even have the language to describe it, and so that's why we get all these metaphors, right? He rests, and he's at work. He pours out, rains down, and fills and remains all around. Guys, I'm here to clear it up for you today. <laughs> like this is speaker suicide confusing your audience, but you guys can handle it. I believe in you. The amazing thing about God is that the Spirit of God is nothing less than God's presence and nothing less than God himself. Who is love? 
The Spirit of God is mysterious, but it is knowable. So don't let all this like sort of mystery, and it's like a little uncomfortable to talk about, and we might seem kind of weird. Don't let all this mystery of that stop you from engaging your heart in this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't let it stop you. Don't shy away from the, the, the Spirit. He doesn't fit in a box. It's okay. It's key. Because a Spirit-filled life is the foundation for a life overflowing in and with the love of God. If you want to live a life out of the overflow, you've got to know you are loved. And the power to know you are loved by God comes from the Spirit. That's the connection there. The power to know you are loved by God, it comes from the Spirit. The love and the pleasure and the identity bestowed on Christ by the Father at Jesus' baptism was a love on display, and it would be fully revealed later that we too are loved as children, as sons and daughters adopted into the family of God. The love among the Trinity is for us too, and we know this by God's Spirit. And I don't, I'm not just talking about knowing it in your mind, I'm talking about knowing it in your soul, like from the core of who you are. And I love what it says in Galatians. And because we are his children, God has sent his Spirit into our hearts prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. It's by the Spirit of God we know we are loved. And it is by God's Spirit that we are called his own. And I implore you today, like, open up your heart. Open up your heart to receive the love of God. And to deepen like your relationship with this Holy Spirit. And receive your inheritance as a child of God. It's hard to talk about the love of God sometimes only because there's so much more to say, right? It's like, think of all the songs that have been written about God's love. All the sermons, right? It's just, it really is never ending. So I'm just going to kind of take some time and... I'm going to give a few other examples, and we're going to talk about a practice, and we're going to talk about um, a question. That's what your communication cards are for. I'll have you write something down on there and turn it into me uh, in the offering baskets. But just want to kind of sit with, sit with God's love a little bit this morning and kind of rest in it and just tell a couple more stories. We're going to enjoy the presence of God, enjoy his love. So this idea of being God's own and being loved by God. You know, our oldest son, um, Andale, we adopted him when he was four and a half, and he's just turned 13 now. And the first time I saw him, he was in an orphanage, and um, he was three years old, and he had to go to that orphanage because the tribe where he comes from has a lot of superstitions, and they will identify certain children as being cursed, and then those cursed children are put to death. And so Ndale, in a series of a lot of miracles, his life was saved, and he was brought to this orphanage away from these tribal regions that he's from. 
And when I first saw him, it was kind of like, it was almost like he sort of picked us to be his parents, but I also just had such a drawing to him, right? And that was probably the Holy Spirit. But I wanted him to be mine. Not because I wanted to, like, control him or have him take care of me when I retire. <laughs> like, I wanted him to be mine because I wanted to bless him. I wanted him to be mine so that we could and give him an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance. I wanted him to be mine so I could love him. And this is like God's love. It's all that and so much more. God's love for you is all that and so much more. So much more pain he went through to make us his own. Amen? Such an amazing picture. It's like him being in my life and Dolly being my son. It's just this amazing experience that I have of like representation of God's love in that way. And thank God, after about 300 miracles, we did finally bring him home. Obviously, a lot of you know this, his story, but I'm just so inspired by that. Anyway, take out your card. There's a question that I want to ask you, and just, it can be a one-word answer. You don't have to fill out your name if you don't want to. Um, can you put that question up for me on the screen? Thank you. Um, just when the offering baskets come by, jot something down for me really quick. Put that in the offering. The ushers will give it to me. But I want to know what your greatest barrier is to living the spirit-filled, overflowing life. So this is your opportunity to say, but Melissa, hold up. This is hard because, bam. Is it time? Is it I got little kids? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it? What is your greatest barrier? Just take a moment, fill that out. I'm going to give you time. It can be one word. It can be a sentence. If you're into paragraphs, go for it. I'll read it. <laughs> but take a minute and identify that even for yourself. What do I feel like is my greatest barrier to growing in this life in the spirit or to even understanding it? And if you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, you can write that down too. A couple other things, just leaving a little bit of space here. A couple other things before we close. There's a part later on in John where Jesus comes and he's washing the feet of the disciples, right? I love this so much. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And Jesus wants to wash Peter's feet. And Peter's embarrassed, right? He's like, no, God, like, I should be washing your feet. And then Jesus says, he says, I have to wash your feet so you can be mine. So you can be mine. And then Peter says, then wash all of me, Lord. That is the heart we need to have, a heart like Peter's. And I got to be honest with you. I think a lot of you, you're coming to Jesus with a Dixie cup. And we need to be empty vessels. God, all of me, kind of this whole like throw my head back, mouth wide open, drinking in the rain. This idea of like, I'm empty, fill me up. I need more of you, God, in my life. That's the kind of heart we are invited to. And the spirit that comes to infill us, infuses us with life. 
and it gives us power for our life to live full of the love of God so that we can overflow, right? So that we can overflow in love in our lives. This parched, dry situation is not for us who believe. This life in the Spirit that has power, that's what's for us. And knowing we are loved by God, by the power of the Spirit, and connecting those things is what fills us with that life. Amen? So this week, I want to invite you to have a heart like Peter. Just, God, all of me, empty me out. Fill me back up. I want you in my life. And I just want to offer this simple practice. I've been doing this this week, and it's been awesome, partly because we've had so much rain. But take this idea of water. Think about Jesus' baptism, right? And this display of love through baptism, like water is very much involved, right? So this week, as you wash your hands, remember God loves you. When you jump in the shower, remember that God is pleased with you. When you're doing your dishes, remember that you belong to God, that you are his child. And think and feast on the love of God. Every interaction, when it comes to your mind, wash your hands. It starts raining. Lord, this water is just a reminder of your love for me. And let that soak. To continue on the uh, water analogy, let that soak in your soul. Let that feed your soul this week. Why don't we all stand together? I'm going to read out of Ephesians, and it's such a beautiful prayer that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And listen, listen this morning with your heart. When I think of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. May your roots go deep down into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Lord, Thank you for this life that we have in you. Lord, may we we just continue to be aware of your presence in our lives. May we hunger for it even more. And Lord, give us the power to understand how high, how wide, how deep your love is. And fill us with the fullness of life and power that comes from you. This week, I pray you would infuse our hearts with your love, that we would be reminded of your love for us, Lord, that we would draw strength from your love. 
Fill us up, Lord, with your spirit, with your life, with your love. We thank you in Jesus' name.